right, welcome to another episode of the 28 to 3 podcast. This is going to be the Buccaneers preview episode, the second to last game of the season, hopefully, for those of us who want to see Dennis Allen gone. But uh, let's let's get into it. We're going to have a bunch of stuff to talk about Buccaneers cap space-wise, I think, and just kind of get a little glimpse into the future with what they have going on and then also how this game looks with us. So, Nick, what you got, man? What you feeling? Well, we're missing Corey this week. He is on his honeymoon, so we won't have the uh, our third partner here with us. So it's just going to be me and Max uh, probably getting way too deep into, um, like you said, some salary cap stuff in the future. Since effectively this past weekend with Jacksonville laying an egg against the Bucks, we're, you know, we would take a miracle for the Saints to make it to the postseason at this point, in my opinion. Um, they would need the Bucks to lose to the Panthers. We would have to win both our games. That's the only way to win a division. Um, wild card gets really crazy. We lose tiebreakers to absolutely everyone in contention. So uh, bar- barring some sort of miracle, um, you know, we'll be drafted in the top 15. So um, the optimism is over for any chance of a miracle at the end of the season. And now we're just looking sort of towards next year with, you know, how the things that are happening right now with us in the division and, and, you know, what that means for 2024 and beyond. Uh, Max and I, before we start recording, we're talking a lot about the Bucks situation because um, while we went all in, they bailed this year and tried not to win the division to reset their cap situation, which looks very similar to our current cap situation. They went all in with Tom Brady. They won a Super Bowl. Brilliant job by their front office. If you can get a Super Bowl at anything, you mortgage you mortgage it all. They did. It worked. Um, and they made the playoffs two more years. You know, last year being a little bit of an anomaly with how bad the division became. But they, they decided to go full reset knowing that their star receivers were free agents this year. Um, a lot of their defensive stars are going to be free agents after this year, not last year. So they had a lot of expiring contracts coming up at the end of the 2023 season. So they, they took their medicine in the offseason, signed Baker for no money, giving him a chance to start where he had no other chances across the league. That's going to make him a lot of money probably. Um, we'll see if that's a good or bad thing for the Bucks. Um me not being a fan of Baker would love to see him sign him long term um Max may have a different opinion on that but um as far as our division outlook and the Bucks you know if for them a big win here probably gets them to double down on Baker going into the offseason um a loss here may have them second guessing uh, as they might stumble into the playoffs rather than kind of continue this hot streak they've had the last month so it's it's kind of a big game for the future and uh, their future even more than ours. We've got a whole bunch of other problems we'll discuss, but um, that's my thoughts on it. So this game's more about what's going to go on in the next few years than it is this year. Yeah, that's a good point. I think this game, I mean, really it could go in multiple different ways. You know, if we get blown out, I think that'll set the uh, the wheels in motion for Dennis Allen to be out of here. But if it's a competitive game and or, and maybe we win – then I think D.A. absolutely will be back next year. Um, Same thing for what you said about Baker. I think Baker, either way, no matter what happens in the next two games, short of them losing the next two games and missing the playoffs, I think Baker's coming back. Um, Do you you think it affects his money one way or the other? Yeah, definitely. You know, whether it's a a top-line, you know, contract – or maybe it's just more of a middle-of-the-road contract. We'll see. But I think either way, he's coming back. Because I don't see any way they lose to us and 
the Panthers. You know, the Panthers have been a little more competitive the last week or so, but uh, they're still a bad team. You know, and it's hard for a team with zero weapons to to threaten anyone. The Buccaneers have a, a rock-solid team, you know, and it worked out. That's the best-case scenario. You try to take your cat medicine, and, and you're still competitive, you know, and it's just we were going all out, and we're barely competitive. It's just that's the most frustrating thing about, about it. You know, these guys – Complete opposite philosophy on how to to reset a team as us. You know, we keep kicking the can down the road and and trying to hold on to the glory days of some of these players, even though they're obviously past their peak and and probably need to either retire or move on. But um, no, man, it's 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 fun to watch from a comparison standpoint. Although it's not fun to watch as a Saints fan. Well, it's you know what they did with Brady is what you know you and I you know I know you heard me go nuts about how we weren't going all in yeah until Breeze's like last two years like once Breeze got past 35 I just felt like it should have been to hell with everything bring in weapons you know well they did that once he got past 35 (laughs) well once he got to 38 you know uh you know Emmanuel Sanders I love Emmanuel Sanders but you know like that's not all in. I, I wanted to see some big splash, get him. But obviously, the Mike Thomas draft pick ended up being huge for us. Uh, second round pick, you know that that developed, so that worked out. But I also didn't feel I felt like we were drafting for the future still, and not right now. We weren't, you know. I, I don't know. It, there, maybe it's just the success of the draft picks that we had, or lack thereof, that really uh, that really was the biggest issue. But. You know, we didn't get the defense in line until he was 38 years old. Um, after that 2017 draft, getting Marcus and uh, Marshawn and and Hendrickson and all those guys that contributed on defense right away. Um, even Anzalone was a contributor, um, and the defense turned around. The Bucks did it to perfection. They went from a bad team to a Super Bowl winner by just – you know, they even tried to sign Julio Jones. They signed Antonio Brown. They did not care. They were like, we're going to throw everything at it and try and get a Super Bowl. And they got it. Um, no, that's a, that's a good point. But it's like, we did try a few times. Brandon Cooks, you know, being, I guess, the most noteworthy example of um, trying to get somebody a weapon in Breeze's prime. But obviously, Cooks wasn't, didn't fit the profile of, I think, what you and I would like to see them go after. You know, like a bigger, true number one style wide receiver. I mean, I hate to keep picking on Olave, but he's another one that fits that profile of a Cooks. You know, a little bit smaller, slight frame, not going to be that big body that goes and makes these contested catches. And that's what I would have liked, and I think you too, would have liked to have seen the Saints go and get Febreze. Yeah, like, go. you know, um, Mike Thomas fit that build, obviously. Um, So they did, you know, they did target that in 16, which was great, um, and it worked. But they, they never went – and then, you know, drafting Kamara and all that, that's when it started to turn. But he was already 37, 38 years old. Yeah. He he spent – you know, we talk – you and I were going back and forth, or I was, watching the Kansas City game and watching what a disaster they are right now on offense. Um, and it's because he has no weapons. And he's, you know, I think pretty unanimously considered the best quarterback in the league. He looks terrible. He can't, he can't move the ball. They're not scoring. They've scored two more points than the Saints this year. And you see what Drew did with that level of talent back in the day. And it just, you know, it's crazy how we never got him a Tyreek to have for four years or yeah. a Randy Moss like Brady got for, you know, only two years. But 
um, Brady and, and Drew were the only two to ever really do that with essentially, you know, late round, undrafted, you know, slot type receivers for Brady. For us, it was, you know, a bunch of niche receivers that did one thing really well. Um, you know, even Peyton Manning, he had a Hall of Famer at the wide receiver position his whole career at, you know, between Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Demarius Thomas, um, you know, that level of player every year he played. Um, Aaron Rodgers had Pro Bowl receivers every year he played just about with, you know, um, what was the guy's name? Janning, Greg Jennings and and Devontae and um, Brooks before that. And so, you know, we never really did that in the Breeze era. And to watch the Bucks do it that way and immediately rise to the top of our division right as Breeze was getting older, that, that really hurt. Um, and that's where we're at today. So what do we do? Um the outcome of this game what would I like to see I would like to see um you know the Saints don't have a choice they're not eliminated so like you said about Dennis Allen the only way Dennis Allen goes is if they go out there and just put a terrible performance out there because the season still technically is in front of them even though we all know they have no chance the only chance they have is to beat the Bucks. so um if those players come out and have a really bad performance then maybe that DA train can get rolling but we've seen national media come out and basically say he's safe already. So it's going to take some big leap these last two games for for him to go, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think there's no good defense of keeping him um, other than you just don't want to change anything. But he has, you know, I, I was the first one to give him the chance this year. I said, you can't, can't fire a guy after one year, especially with the amount of injuries we had last year. And... Andy Dalton being your starting quarterback. Now, we've had some key injuries towards the middle of the season, but we've been bad all season and inconsistent. And, you know, he's done nothing to, you know, make you feel confident about it or want to go into a rebuild that if we don't think we're in rebuild mode next year, I don't know what Loomis is thinking. Yeah, it's funny because we're already assuming the loss this week and probably the following week. But the reality is, as you said, we're still technically alive for that NFC South championship. So it would be the most Saints thing in the world for them to come out, blow the Bucks out of the building, and then come out and, and uh, beat the Falcons next week and, you know, somehow make next the following week count. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be for the playoffs somehow. I'm still convinced that somehow that Falcons game is going to be for the NFC South. I don't know what – I guess that would mean the uh, we would have to beat the Bucks this week. The Falcons would have to well, win. the game going into the game, if we beat the Bucks, is going to be that. It's going to be – If the if Falcons the Fal- win this week. They'd have to win too, right? No, because the Bucks would, would have to lose to the Panthers after that. So we would go into that game and the Bucks going into that game, we would be assuming the Panthers could beat the Bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying that it would be the most Saints thing ever for somehow the Falcons and Saints to be playing for the title and the Bucks to be to lose. And it would be, you know, I don't think there's any way that happens. Right. I think there's a, there's a scenario without for Tampa. Losing. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Tampa would have to lose. Yes. They would have to okay. lose. Both Assuming games. a Tampa loss. Yeah, it would be the winner wins it because yeah. um, the Falcons actually have the tiebreaker on the Bucks, I believe. Is that correct? Or would have it? Did they beat the Bucks earlier in the season or vice versa? I think they split. We'd have to look that up. I want to say they split. The thing is, we haven't beaten anybody, which is just funny. We've beaten the, the Panthers. Twice, right. Yeah, but uh, the other two teams, we haven't, we haven't we're beaten We're two and yet. three. Yeah. No, we're two and two, right? And we have, the, we have one home and one away. Right. Um, 
if but I think before the season we said you're going to split with Atlanta, you're probably going to split with the Bucks. <coughs> so if they were to win them, it, we would check in at four and two in the division. If you were to win them, um, so there is a scenario Atlanta wins it, I believe. But yeah, maybe, no, there maybe is. I'm wrong. Um, and then when you're looking at the wild card, you know we're we're out against the Rams, almost guaranteed, mm-hmm. right? So they they're going to get one spot. You know the Cowboys have a spot because they have ten wins. Then it comes down to Minnesota. We lose the tiebreaker. Packers, we lose the tiebreaker. Um, Seahawks. And the Seahawks have a game lead. And I believe they have the conference record, which is better than ours, which I believe is the second tiebreaker. We did not play them. so. So for that last two spots between Minnesota, Green Bay, us, Rams, Seattle, it's pretty much a no. Pretty much a no. Yeah. You have to win out. They all have to lose at least one, probably more. So, either way, I don't know. I. It's just funny. They gave us two weeks of wild card hope where it actually became a possibility. And it's like, hey, as of right now, you know, we might be second or third in the division, but we're sitting there for a wild card spot. And then that promptly went out the window. Yeah. Well, if they'd have won that, like, like we said, uh, they were pretty much going to be in the playoffs with a win there. At eight and seven... You're sitting pretty with the tiebreaker over the Rams. You'd be sitting pretty. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I mean, it's almost. It's. It's almost a crime that we were actually sitting in the driver's seat for a hot moment. You know, for that wild card spot because it's this team does not deserve to go to the playoffs. You know, it's. It's. You were at the game. You know, we were Corey and I were watching it on TV, and I've never been. I just knew they were going to lose. There was never any real suspense at all, which is just the most disheartening thing ever as a fan when you're watching a game and you just realize your team has no chance and you're not playing the best team in the league you're playing just a solid middle they're of the a better road. team than that they're, they're a good team but i mean you know we talked about it there's what one now you got to make the case for two really good teams in the nfl the 49ers and the ravens i mean there's a, they've won five of the last six their only loss was to the ravens by one score hmm? that's since stafford came back yeah. they've been motoring so I, well they're peaking at the right time right and their quarterback's been playing great. And you and I, for over a month, I was like, man, thought that might be a layup game. We thought Stafford might not even be playing. And uh, we're going to lose that game because we're going on the road. We're an old team, short turnaround, West Coast. I'm like, I just don't feel good about it. And then, you know, not even the old guys were – well, on defense they were pretty bad. But uh, Olave just not making those key plays, it was – you just felt it right in the beginning. Right, right when we dropped third downs, those two – you just felt it, and then the bad coaching decision to go for it on fourth, and all of a sudden you're down double digits when you shouldn't be. You were hanging in even though you weren't playing well. 10-7, could have gone in halftime. 10-10, could have gone in, which is crazy. If Olave catches that ball at the 35 and we score a touchdown, we go in with the lead playing that way would have been crazy. But uh, once again, we don't make the the play that is essentially an easy play. It was not a difficult play. And then we go for it on fourth and sabotage ourselves, which we've done all season. And here we are. Yeah, and to me, the, the biggest or the most frustrating thing from last week was just the fact that they, and I guess I hate to say frustrating because it's them showing fight and they never give up, but that final score was not at all indicative of that game. And then if someone is just, you know, reading the box score, they're going to go, oh, man, that was a close game. It looks like the uh, the Rams just edged them out. You know, that, that's pretty good for the Saints. No, because the context of the game, if you watch it, is that we got the shit beat out of us. 
Like it was, it wasn't a competitive game from any any perspective. And it's funny because you and I talked about it for the month, month and a half leading up, saying that Rams game, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't even in doubt. And uh, it's it's just it's frustrating to to know that a month and a half in advance and then see it play out. You know, you're hoping that they're going to shock you and come out with this this strong performance after the winning the previous two games against basement dwelling uh, teams, but it's just. It's so fucking frustrating to watch, man. It really is. Like, I, I don't, I, I can't take another season of DA. You, I really can't. Like, if, if you want to see how much quarterback matters, though, look yeah. at them last year without Stafford, and they just get Stafford healthy after the first. He wasn't healthy to start the season. He wasn't himself. He took the. I'm thinking he missed a couple games, maybe two. Well, Cup was out too. And so. Cup was out. They get healthy. They get the quarterback in there, and they're just rolling. I, they might be the third best team. In the NFC. Yeah, they might, not that you mention it, because I'm telling you, that rookie, Puka Nakua, is fucking fantastic. Well, you got two you got two dudes like that now with Cub, and then yeah. you've got a rookie running back that, or is he second-year second, second second year running year, back? Yeah. That's that's now, he's top five in the league in rushing, and I mean, that team is loaded on offense again, and McVay's retooled it, and they're not very good on defense, but, you know, uh, they do enough. So and they still have Aaron Donald last time I checked, so that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's funny because they uh, they struck gold with the running back. You know, he was an undersized guy coming out of college. I think he only weighs about 194 pounds. He's only about five nine. Um, you know, so he's a late round pick. Guess he takes the whole year to kind of pick up the playbook and, and get his feet underneath him, and then now all of a sudden he goes on this run where he's he's fantastic now. And then you add in a uh, Nakua was what at um, he was yeah. a third. Fourth or fifth? Uh, BYU, right? Um, how late was he? I want to say he was a fifth, but you know better. You no, he, he might be, man. Um, but the biggest, I guess the thing with that is he didn't do anything in college. If you look at his college stats, I think his career high was like 600 yards. You know, he's a bigger guy. Fifth round pick. Fifth One, round pick, 177 yeah. 177. And then if, if you read his, uh, his athletic profile, you know, him coming out of high school, I want to say he was uh, the player of the year in whatever state it was, like Utah, something like that. Um, so the kid was a fantastic recruit coming out, but he just didn't do much at all in college. I know he was on another – I want to say he transferred to uh, to BYU from another school and really didn't do much at all in college. You know, just one of those guys where he got picked, I guess, off of workouts and, uh, you know, just potential, and he immediately pays dividends. I mean, he – he has almost that Anquan Bolden kind of feel. And you remember how it was when Bolden came out in that first week of the, uh, his rookie season, he had the 200-yard 200 game, yards, yeah. you know, just launching himself onto the national stage, and then he just kept going. So I think they just saw a lot of cup in him. Yeah, agree. agree. He's a, he seems like he's a small guy, and you realize he's not a small guy, just like cup. They're not small. They're 200-pound they're receivers, over six foot. They're, they're strong, physical guys that happen to have that – skill set in the slot or they can go outside they can do anything he i mean he kicked our ass make no mistake about it he got alante bench then he worked amadi he worked uh yadam a couple times uh, he adiba wasn't on him much but adiba was on him for the touchdown the little sit down route uh, did, you, did you see the play where they ran a reverse with him and adiba knifes through the hole hits him and you think this is going to knock him off his path adiba bounced off of him yeah. and nakua got like three or four more yards like that shows you the power that dude has, and this is this is where the Rams look. They went all in, the same strategy, you know. We we uh, gave the Bucks credit for, 
and the Rams, I guess, were the, the OGs of doing that, going in and getting getting Stafford. And, uh, you know, they haven't used their first-round pick in, I want to say, seven years now. Well, they did it after the Bucks. That's right. They did it after the Bucks, But the same strategy, haven't used a first-round pick in seven years, which is insane. That should be crippling to roster development. But when you draft as well as they have in the, uh, the middle of the late rounds, you know, picking up guys like Cup, picking up guys like Nakua, Kyron Williams, you know, some of the defensive guys – that shows you how important drafting is. And it, it brings us back to the Saints where, you know, we, we had the amazing draft in 2017. We haven't done shit in the draft with a few small exceptions, you know, in the middle, in the middle rounds. Adebo. Adebo, um, who Ahante, else? Um, you got to say C.J. Gardner-Johnson before we traded him. Yeah. Um, what was that, 18? That was CJ? 18, I believe. 18 or 19, actually. But the, the point is, I mean, look at last year's draft. You know, Howden's been kind of hot and cold. We were all high on him at the beginning. He had a rough stretch towards the middle of the season. Um, I think he's been better the last couple of weeks. But the uh, the offensive lineman, Saldaveri, I don't think he's been active at all. You know, and that one's looking kind of rough. And he's – where he was picked, you know, he was uh, – was he third or fourth? Saldaveri would have been. Either way, he's he's a day he's a day a fringe day two guy early day three and um, you got to have these guys play. I mean, in our in our drafting history, that's where we hit on a Jari Evans or a Carl Nix, and you see those guys come in pretty much right away. You know, I was expecting more out of Saldaveri, but you know, so far the returns are more fourth Rick round more sure. Rick Leonard, where we picked him in the fourth round out of Florida State, and then he I don't think he made the team the next year. Yeah, you know that was an epic miss for that. I mean, how many round. sacks does Peyton Turner have in three years? Five in three years? I'm yeah, and that's another one. He can't stay healthy. And and what do we do with him? You know, we got it's. Are we on his uh, fifth year option at this point coming up, or just the next, next year? year? Yeah. So it's four years next year. So you got to figure. I mean, they're going to have to give him a chance this year because it's such an investment in him. You can't exercise the fifth year. No, you can't do the fifth year, but you gotta you gotta keep him around. I mean, I, I yeah, yeah. I don't think. I mean, I think if, if, you know, if he's drafted in the second round, he's cut already. But the reality is they spent a first-round pick, so they got to try to see some return on investment. You know, hope he, he puts it together in year four. And it like pinning. I mean, we've been over it over and over again, like how bad of a miss that is at this point. You know, right now we're in his, his second year, and my God, he, he can't even – what is he? He gets on the field for field goal attempts. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, the highlight of his season is that uh, that Instagram post with him and Blake Groupie, where Groupie's jumping up to give him a high five, and that's what that's the biggest biggest thing he's done this year. Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, it, that's where it all went wrong for us, honestly, because the depth – I mean, the game that Pete Werner was out and we're trying to backfill a linebacker position and we're just getting gashed again, we're, we're lacking depth in a lot of places, and – you know, obviously the age on the defensive line is killing us. Um, so that's why the draft this coming year becomes very interesting too. It's we've only got five picks, correct? We get the pick, we got four, and then we get the one for Peyton in the second round. I think we have a first, a second, a fifth, sixth, seventh right now. And then we should have some comp picks coming from Anyamada, Caden Ellis, and... Uh, uh, Davenport would have been one, but he hasn't played any, so that's going to screw that pick. Yeah. So we'll get two from Anyamata and Caden have played almost all year. So uh, speculation on what that pick will be. At least a fifth, I think, is what we were thinking for each. But 
Um, yeah, now looking at the latest projection, so we have the, uh, the first and the second round pick. Then we don't pick again until the fifth. fifth. So right. we're projected right now to have three uh, – I'm sorry. Yeah, three fifths as comp picks. Okay, so we're still going to get one for Davenport, that means. Yeah. So then we'll have four fifth-round picks and then a sixth and a seventh. So they got to hit a couple of those. <laughs> I mean, don't trade, don't bundle them in trade to get into the fourth round. Just get, get some young guys in. Um, stop trading draft picks. Let's start accumulating a few and see where we go. Yeah, that's definitely the move is loading up and getting as many, I guess, lottery tickets as you can possibly get because we need young talent, young, cheap talent on this roster, especially if they ever decide to finally go the route of fixing the salary cap and just kind of clearing this mess off, you know, because right now, like the Buccaneers, they took their medicine this year and they were able to stay competitive while doing that. I don't know if, man, if we ever truly decided to have the cap reckoning that we need to have, because this is 15 years of cap manipulations and moving stuff around and just... It's, man, I mean, kicking the can forward. That's what they've done. Well, I think they, uh, you know, I don't know. We talked about it early on a little bit. We didn't touch on it a whole lot. But uh, when Jono was on, we talked about who would you have signed if not Carr? I know the Saints fans hate Carr. Signing Carr was the right move. The reason I think it was the right move is because last year we had a top five defense. Demario's aging, Mike Thomas aging, Cam aging. All these old Saints that we had invested in um, that we know the cliff is coming, but we don't know when. Committing to, you know, the deal is four years, I know, but it's only two years, really. Giving them two years of the best you could get, I think that's why we went so heavily after Deshaun Watson first, and then what we were left with was Carr or run it back with Jameis. Uh, I have no problem with that move, but it didn't work because the team is no longer elite, and he is not good enough to make you elite. I think he's basically been Derek Carr this year on a team that's not very good. If this team was very good, what could Carr be? I don't think we're ever going to know. Yeah. Because he's never played on a good team. He played on one good team in Oakland. He looked very good. Um, he was an early MVP candidate. That right. Year. Yeah. Broke his ankle that year and wasn't. Um, this year, he's the 10th rated rating quarterback in the league. Uh, we all know he isn't elevating this team. Like, you can see that. He is going to... I think he's going to do his job and be that mid guy that if you had a defense that could make up for his random mistakes or his, you know, panic in the pocket, throwing the ball away on third down too early, you know, the things he's made mistakes at this year, this could have worked. The team's not good enough. It needs a massive youth overhaul now. Um, he won't be part of the plans past next year. Well, almost you, certain. After you next say year. that, but I mean... This, this organization has not shown the foresight when it comes to self-scouting not to double down on a mistake and keep the mistake going. So so you think uh, – no, no, this is all under the assumption we are the team, you and I think we are right now, that next year is also at best looks like this, maybe worse. If we go 6-11 and 11 next year and that huge cap hit's coming for Carr, you don't think they're moving on? I, I would hope, I would hope they would move on. Um, I'll tell you this, man. If DA comes back next year, you know, we, we've always joked around like the Saints, they never have that wheels have fallen off season. It never happens. The one time it's happened, I think, pretty much in our adult lifetime is the uh, Katrina year. 
And obviously, with everything that was going on that year, the injuries and all that, there was no way that team was going to win more than the three games they won. This next season, if D.A. comes back in a much tougher schedule, this is a wheels fall off and we're a top three pick scenario is very much at play. If if they if they get rid of a couple of the assets I'm, they have, I agree 100%. Well, I mean, even if you keep them, though, because at some point what has happened to Cam Jordan is going to happen to DeMario Davis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's they're the same age. so He's older. DeMario's older. Yeah, by a couple <laughs> months, I think. So it's uh, it's at play. At some point, DeMario, father time is going to catch up to DeMario Davis, and he is going to slow down. Now, whether it is a fall-off-the-cliff scenario like we've seen with Cam Jordan this season, I don't know. Uh, the Honey Badger, another one. He's not quite as old, but he's getting older. He's got a lot of mileage on him. Um, sooner or later, he's going he's gonna to slow down substantially. It's just going to happen. Well, next year's the last year of his deal. Didn't we sign him three-year deal? I think it's the last year of his deal, yeah. So uh, for him— um... But the thing is, we don't, have to, we don't have the draft picks. Like, I know we're projected to get three fifth-round picks as comp picks, but, dude, those are hard to hit on. You know what I mean? So the first two days, you only have the two picks, our first-rounder and then the second-rounder from the Broncos. So right. if you don't hit on those, and I'm talking instant impact guys— I mean, we're not going to really have the cap space to go to go get any frontline free agents. I mean, there's holes across the board, and that they schedule should, is much tougher next year. They should not be targeting any free agents this year. Yeah, they, they there's no there's no path to through free agency to get this team to the point where they can compete at a really high level. I don't think the difference that the Bucks had was a ton of young defensive guys rather than old defensive guy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they have old Levante David, who's still playing very well, but they had Devin White, Antoine Winfield, Carlton Davis. There's there's tons of young defensive talent there. We have tons of secondary young talent, but we have nothing up front that, you know, obviously we drafted the DT this year, a lot of up and down. Maybe he makes a leap and you have someone, you know, one young guy on the line there. Uh, maybe Peyton Turner comes back and is healthy next year. Maybe there's some crazy scenario where – we get a lot better real quick. Um, they sign Zach Bond back and actually let him pass rush. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some unforeseen, something I don't see in our future. Maybe there is something there, but it doesn't look like that to me right now. Don't spend money in free agency. Yeah. Please don't. Take this draft, and if you lose a few players this year, let's get some comp picks next year. Let's find a way to have 10 picks the following year. Let's lump all this together. Let's try and hit on you know half of them. And if you do, you can turn this around pretty quick if you find, you know, some sort of solution at quarterback. Well, let me ask you this. So where we are currently, I think we're currently the 11th pick if the season ended today. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, you know, we looked at it and we figured there's pretty much no path for the Saints getting into the top 10. So I think at the highest, we'll probably get around 11, 10 or 11 or 12. That's pretty much going to be the sweet spot. So there's three quarterbacks that are – very likely going to go in the top 10. Um, you got Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. So It's my opinion none are there at 11, and I would not trade up to go get so one. That, that was going to be my question. So you wouldn't trade up at all to go get one of them? No, I wouldn't. Um, because unless you're talking a pick, right? Unless you're talking, hey, we think we got to go to nine to get Right, it. right. Like if one slides a little bit. Right. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, this trading to the top five and giving up a first next year to do it, and then a third, you know, to go from 11 to four or 11 to five, whatever, you know, it's going to cost that. 
when you see it's never worked. Yeah. Uh, I know Corey brought it up last week. Like, I think it's time to go all in package picks and go get a quarterback. I was trying to think of one quarterback that that has worked and I couldn't come up with it. Um, you know, who are the ones that they package huge picks for over the, over the last few years, Trey Lance disaster, right? Bryce young. Uh, obviously it's a year one. We're not going to say that's a disaster yet, but he's arguably the worst quarterback in the league that started all their games, you know, minus the one from injury. Um, who else? They went up, Chicago went up and got Trubisky disaster. Uh, I just don't believe in mortgaging that much on a college talent that you, it, it's the most impossible thing to predict. It's why Pat Mahomes was picked not in the top 10 because they just use whatever there is, you know, that they have to make this decision. You can see all the talent in the world and it cannot translate instantly. Zach Wilson, right? Guy can throw it a mile, you know, but he doesn't know how to play football. It's really bad quarterback play. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't double down on all these, just like I wouldn't have doubled down on Alave or Cooks or Ingram or Davenport or Sullivan that we've done over the years. I think your best case to success is to use all the picks because you have more chances to make mistakes because everyone makes mistakes. No GM is flawless at drafting. It's such an impossible science. I'd rather sit this year, see what happens next year. Now, let's say Quinn Ewers comes out and we're there at 11. And he's available at that point. And he's point. available and you like him. I like, I would, I would gamble on that at 11. Me. I would too. I don't know about, I don't know where he ranks out. I haven't, you know, I th- I've seen a lot of things saying he's going to come back. Um, I think that largely depends on how well he plays in the playoff. Um, if he were to come out, I think he's probably there at 11 and I'd have no problem pulling the trigger on him. Um, he has gotten better every year. He's, you know, this year he led them to the playoff. They, they, you know, were an excellent offense under Sarkeesian, which is a pro style offense. I, I would do that. I, I'm just not a big fan of giving up a big bunch of picks to go get a rookie that you don't really know. I, yeah. I'd, I'd rather see you do it, go getting, you know, now it's also never worked in the pros yet. Uh, as far as a, a veteran who has proven like Russ Wilson, that hasn't, while he's playing much better this year, it hasn't translated into wins. You know, they've got a losing record too. Um, they were terrible last year. Um, who else? Who's it? Deshaun Watson, not looking so good. So, you know, just giving up huge draft capital for anything um, is tough, especially on a college player coming out for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, there are two quarterbacks in the college football playoffs that uh, potentially could come out as true juniors and make an impact on the first round. It's Quinn Ewers and J.J. McCarthy. And I think, obviously, as of right now, I would say they're both, you know, from what it seems like, they're both leaning towards coming back for their senior seasons. But that all could change if you go have a six-touchdown game to win the national title. You know, at that point, you're probably going to want to strike when the iron's hot and come out. So I think if both of them come out, you're looking at – right around, you know, the 8th, ninth, 10th spot to where we could possibly go up just by, uh, you know, maybe maybe throwing a, a couple of later picks just to go up a spot or two um, where you wouldn't have to mortgage the future. You know, and I also say my perspective on it is if DA comes back, I don't want to pick a wide receiver or a quarterback this year. I don't want to pick a quarterback. 
just go ahead and and just get the best players available you know at, at all the spots use your picks don't package them up and just kind of see what we can get because I think if he comes back the wheels fall off next year and we're going to have a top five pick and then at that point you're much better positioned to go get a top flight quarterback and not have to give up as much as you would um you know this year but if DA is gone and we do have a young a young coach that comes in I wouldn't be opposed at that point to possibly trading up you know I wouldn't want to want it to be one of those Trey Lance situations where you're giving up the farm and then some but if you can I wouldn't be opposed to flipping next year's first if you could go get the guy and would you have a new coaching staff this year but I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think it would take a total collapse in, in the Buccaneers game and the Falcons game. And I know this is technically a Buccaneers-Saints preview pod, but look, we, we all know what the deal is. There's only so much to preview at this point. It's a broken record. We're saying the same thing over and over again, inconsistency across the board. So there's really not as much to talk about. I think we we better serve talking about the future prospects. Well, this game impacts a lot of things. Um, yeah, long term. So you talking about the draft. This game impacts draft because um, – and the and the Falcons game. If we lose these two games, we're we're gonna be at least the tenth pick. Yeah, we could theoretically get all the way to eight. High unlikely. The Bears and Jets would have to win. Well, they have to win. I think one of their games remaining. Um, it's gonna be tough for us to get top ten. But to your point, yeah, Atlanta's this- Atlanta's ten right now. So if they beat us, we go to ten. Right. Um. So it, it does matter. I think you know what what do we do with it like we're talking about is the most important thing i i agree with you next year should be the year where the wheels fall off if we don't make any dumb free agency commitments and go try and keep this team afloat just to be in the same spot so i I, i'm in agreement let the quarterback come to you this year car starting next year we know that exactly we already know that so let's just move on with that in mind there's no way they move car there's no way he gets cut there's no next year we committed to two years it's gonna happen so with that in mind if a quarterback you love falls to 10 11 wherever we're at take him yeah give him a little extra time he's not a top three guy let's let's let him learn you know car's a veteran i i don't think he'd be adversarial so to, to helping him um, as much as a lot of the fans dislike him. I don't think he's that type of dude. Let him learn. Let him watch Carr get smoked next year when the offensive line's even worse. Then, you know, maybe late in the season we get him four or five starts and we start the process, you know, moving forward. If we get the right guy, great. If not, you might be sitting on that top five pick and you can immediately reboot. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, and everyone's calling for Jaden Daniels because obviously it would be an amazing story to have the, the the LSU kid who just won a national or just won a Heisman Trophy, you know, have him come to the Saints, and I think that would obviously go a long way for as a goodwill gesture from the uh, the organization to the fans. You know, it would obviously season ticket sales. I think would would there would be renewed interest in that because if you <laughs> you go into next season with Da, I'm not going to go as far as what Corey's been saying where. You know, the, the, the fan base is, is the, the business is dying and all this other stuff. But the reality is there's going to be a lot of apathy and, and, and uh, disinterest. You know, like I've, I sold three of my tickets this year. The, every game in December, I, I stayed home and watched the games. And it's just because it wasn't fun this year. You know, there wasn't one game that I went to this year where it was truly fun. Everything felt like, 
just, you know, running in quicksand. Like we might have won, but it was painful to watch. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of fans that are feeling the same way. You know, it's uh it it's it's tough, man. You know, they really do need to look at it from a big picture standpoint and and we gotta get the next coach right. Like I know and that's that's just as hard as nailing draft picks as nailing coaches. You know, we really we need to, to make it a true coaching search, not that, that sham of one that happened two years ago where they did a Zoom interview with Doug Peterson and you had uh, Eric Bieniemy in the in the office all day and they were, there wasn't any real thought to giving him the job. Let me ask you this, though. I think we've talked about it a little bit. I'm not looking back on that coaching search right now and feeling like we missed anybody. That's my opinion. Uh, I, think, I think Doug Peterson uh, – I don't have the same level of, you know, appreciation for him as a lot of people. I think he did an amazing quick turnaround in Philly, got that Super Bowl, but he got fired like a year later. Didn't find a job right away. Other teams passed on him. Now they've lost four in a row, I believe. He's got a very young, talented team. He's got a number one quarterback overall pick that has gotten worse, not better. I I'm not feeling bad that we don't have Doug Peterson. Bienemy, not the best situation, but it's also telling, you know, being in Washington as the OC, started off with a bang. They've been atrocious on offense, like beyond bad. And it it is telling. I don't know why. I don't know if he's a bad interviewer. I don't know what's going on. Dozens of teams have passed on Eric Bienemy. Then you got Dayball that year. They're in the dumpster. Uh, I, I just don't know if there were great candidates that year. I think we were unlucky in the fact that there really wasn't anyone to target and really go after aggressively. I think that's different this year, potentially, with Max's favorite guy, Ben Johnson, is going to be a huge, and he's already demanding crazy money, I heard. Yeah, and reports came out about that. 15, he, he's that disputed real? it, but we'll see. But either way, uh, and if he can get it, I'm, he should totally do it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, he should. They're paying. They're paying these guys insane money. He should. You know, hey, I must hang here until someone wants to roll out the red carpet, and it's going to be a perfect situation. Good for him. Um, but maybe he is that type of talent. Maybe he is. You know, there was no McVay, Matt Lafleur. Uh, these really good young coaches weren't available the year we were looking for a yeah. coach. We were stuck with really a mid-level pool of of candidates, and we got a mid-level guy that just went in there. Maybe worse than mid-level. Maybe the worst of the bunch. Who knows? <laughs> well, statistically, <laughs> he's one of the worst coaches in NFL history for the sheer number of games he's coached and his record. So yeah. you yeah. could say we got one of the worst ones. Um, you know, but do I wish we had Dayball or Bienemy or Peter? I don't. I, I'm. I'm just. I want to see. I want to see some younger. You know, this game's different now. This is about Shanahan, McVeigh, Lafleur, McDaniel. That's the coaches that are winning right now. Other than Andy Reid, who is just a novelty. He's he's the fucking man. Um, he somehow stayed fresh and stayed young with the offense. You know, even into his sixties. You know, I think. He's the best coach of the generation, even above Belichick. What he did with with mid-level quarterbacks in Philly and going to the championship game almost every year was incredible, the the type of offenses he was putting together. Um, So that's the type of coaches that are winning. And, of course, Harbaugh. Harbaugh, you know. Mike Tomlin's. And Tomlin as well. That that would be your two, like, you know, hard-nosed defensive type of mindset guys that have succeeded long-term. 
Um, with that said, Tomlin's in a real bad spot with his quarterback. Um, Harbaugh's going to have a chance, but Harbaugh's, you know, it's been a while since they've been dominant, but, you know, they're the number one seed in the in the whole league right now. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And he's got a Super Bowl also. Um, but I would like to see us go after one of those type of candidates. And I would even wait a year of DA if we thought we would get one of those in a year. Obviously, there's no way to guarantee that. I don't want to just hire a coach. I want us to find someone who is innovative and young and can and can put an offense out there that, you know, you know, McDa- like McDaniel has done. Now McDaniel has weapons coming out, you know, every angle. It's crazy. So we'll see how that goes long term. But I want that type of guy and I don't know what the pool is going to look like this year, but I want to be picking out of the pool that is better, whether it be this year or next year to get someone who can actually make a difference. Cause I don't think there was one when we picked the, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, Ben Johnson, you know, last year he, he declined, um, some interviews and, and decided to stay as offensive coordinator another year with the lions. So he's obviously patiently, you know, waiting for the right opportunity to open. Um, now, we all rag on the Saints for, I guess, sticking with coaches too long and sometimes players too long. But that actually is going to work in our favor, I think, when we're doing the coaching search, assuming we actually do a, a, a proper search. Because the reality is, if you get hired by this organization and you just do a decent job, they will keep you around forever. You know what I mean? Like, it's Mickey Loomis is, is a lifer at this point. I don't think he ever will get fired. Um, you know, Dennis Allen, if he just put forth, if we just would have won the division, you know, and, and won 10 games, I mean, this guy, and just look solid the whole year. And don't think that these guys, especially coordinators who are underneath coaches who have been very successful, you know, that's one thing Belichick always told his assistants when they went on, you know, be careful what you pick. You pick the wrong one. He told Josh McDaniels not to go the first time. He did. It was a disaster. Comes back. Builds it takes ten years to build his career back, or eight years to build his career back. Get another shot, you know. Da, you know, even though Da is not good, he went to the Raiders. He jumped the gun, went to a bad situation, and he's not as good as he thinks he is. And his only chance to be a coach again was coming back under Peyton and waiting Peyton out. He probably wasn't going to get a head coaching job anywhere else. So, you know, it matters the loyalty. And the, the head coaches that they're under right now are going to tell them, like, look, when you're looking at your options, they don't get they don't freak out about coaches. You're going up against – say this coach is choosing between the Panthers and us. Where are they going? They're coming to New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Because with Carolina, you might get fired that first season eight games in. Right. They don't care. Well, so here's another question, though. Given our current cap situation and our current quarterback situation, you know, it is not the most attractive – opportunity from that perspective this year yeah this year so I don't know man maybe that's maybe that becomes part of that's part of the negotiation process with whatever coaches they talk to if that happens this offseason where they say hey if there is a quarterback within striking distance we will be aggressive and go after them if that's what you know something that would I guess lead you to wanting this job you know so that that's another layer of the onion that's going to come into come into play Mm -hmm. so I guess we have to see what happens with the coaches? You know, I guess we should probably get into predictions at this point and talk about uh, what we think is going to happen in the game this Sunday against Tampa. Um, you want to kick it off? What you got? Yeah, I'm going to – I think we lose on the road. Um, 
I think Tampa's playing their best football of the year. Um, we seem to be catching these teams late in the season playing their best football of the year. You know, the Rams were had won, uh, I think, three in a row. They had won four or five. They were they were rolling. Uh, almost beat the Ravens. Um, and now you got the Bucks on a four-game win streak when they were playing awful for about a month and a half. They started the season pretty good. Then they played terribly for about six games. And then all of a sudden won four in a row, go from four and seven to eight and seven. And, you know, look like they're charging towards the division. Um, I don't like it. So I'm going to say Bucks. Um, I'm going to say 23-20. Oh, wow. I think we will score a little bit. Um, I'm only saying 23. I think, you know, hell, the Rams only scored what? What was it? 30? Yeah. Felt like 150. <laughs> Um, I really did, man. So, yeah, I'm gonna say twenty. I'm gonna say they have five scoring drives. They just they don't get in the end zone every time. Um, for now, keep in mind you don't have to pick an offensive and defensive MVP because it could go the way of last week where there was no offensive or defensive MVP. I will. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say cars the MVP. Wow. 225, two touchdowns. Um, on defense, I'm going to say Adebo locks up his Pro Bowl with a pick. Um, I think fairly close game, uh, not like the Rams game. We've had a long week. We've we The old team has had time to get better. I do think we're going to be invested in this game heavily. Um, because the whole season they're still alive, like we said, and it's a bunch of veterans, and I think they do care. I think they, this team just doesn't have it. Yeah. Um, so that's what I got. All right. Well, Corey, he's on his honeymoon, but he went ahead and texted in his prediction. So he has – I'm actually kind of surprised, but he went with the Buccaneers to win. Um, he says 38-9. to nine. Wow. So obviously not a close game at all. Okay. He's hoping for the meltdown. Yeah, yeah. I think he, uh, he's, he's, finally, he's finally come over to the right side on this one. Uh, offensive MVP, he says Camaro. Didn't give any stat prediction. I'm going to guess with, with that nine. nine score, it's not much. Maybe he has like five catches and has like 60 yards rushing. I don't know. He's the MVP because he didn't fumble. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's saying maybe we get a touchdown and there's a safety involved somehow, and that's how we get to nine. But if it's three field goals, I would have to imagine Camaro doesn't do much at all. Um, defensive MVP, he has DeMario Davis. I think that's the chalk pick all season long. It's pretty much the safe, the safe way to go when in doubt. Um, doesn't really say anything other than that. For my predictions, obviously I'm going to say the, uh, the Bucks win. I'm going to go with... I'm going to say 28, 28 to 17. Um, offensive MVP, man, they really stonewalled us when we played them in week three. Like, that was the only true ass-kicking pretty much until this Rams game. Um, the Bucks are surging right now. You know, they, they, they're playing very well. I, I texted you, I mean, this was – like a month and a half, two months ago, I said, it's going to be funny when the Bucks win this division. And I did not think it would be that accurate, but they are, they are surging forward right now. Um, I think offensive MVP, I'm going to go with Kamara. I think he gets, 
I think he gets a touchdown. You know, not much more than that. Um, defensive MVP. You know what? I'm going to go with... I'm going to take DeMario. I'm, I'm, I'm riding with Corey. Corey's... Uh, well, he's trying to get that all pro, so... Yeah, you know, it's... I think they're the, the safest picks when you look at our roster. Um, I have a feeling, you know, we know Olave wasn't 100% last week, obviously, with that ankle injury. Wouldn't shock me. I mean, we haven't seen a practice report or anything yet. You know, we're recording this on uh, on Tuesday. So I'm interested to see what the injury report says as far as Olave. Um, if for whatever reason he doesn't play, this game's going to be a beatdown. But I do think that since we are technically still alive, he's going to find a way to get out there. But if we lose this game, I think you're going to see a lot of people who have injuries. They're going to go ahead and pack it in, and you're not going to see him the rest for the last game against the Falcons. Um, just from a standpoint of if it doesn't matter, why risk further injury to these guys? So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go. I'll go with Kamara and Demario as my my quote unquote MVPs. Although I don't think much is going to happen. Um, you know, Baker's. I could see us getting an interception. Maybe Demario gets an interception off of him. Baker's Ooh. prone to throwing those. That'd be like his fourth of his career. You're going for that? <laughs> I don't know. That number might be wrong. I think Demario only has like less than five picks on his career. No, you know what? Screw it. He, he's <laughs> going to have – he's going to have – let's say he has two sacks. Okay. I, think, I think he has two sacks, takes back the team lead, makes it a commanding lead by one or two <laughs> over the second well, place guy. One. He's down one. He's down one. Okay, so he's going to go two, and he'll he'll take the lead by one, which I think will pass up Granderson. Yeah. Now, the following week, when it looks like they're going to have Heineke for the Falcons game, so I don't know. That actually worries me more than Ritter because Ritter is fucking terrible. You know, as bad as Carr has been, and or I, sh- I should say as much of a disappointment as Carr has been, Ritter is a thousand times worse. So the fact that the Falcons are probably going to roll out Heineke that that actually concerns me a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I've got for this Bucks preview. You got anything else you want to leave, leave no, the audience with? I think um, just to finish up on what we were discussing with the Bucks, um, looking forward after this game, uh, they probably win this division, like we said, after whether they win this or win the Panthers game. They win the division. And like you said, they bring Baker back. Their best seven players are free agents next year. So, you know, uh, next year, this division could look just like this again, which oh, is crazy. God. To have three years in a row of, you know, now the Bucks had Tom Brady last year, so you always got a shot if you got Tom Brady, yeah. and he ended up pulling out the division. There's no Tom Brady this year. This is four bad teams. And next year, unless Atlanta gets a quarterback, where is the, where's the team that's going to come out of this pack next year? It's wide open. Um, so it's just interesting to me that like, all these teams are teetering to get even worse, potentially, you know, Falcons aren't paying a quarterback right now. Panthers aren't paying a quarterback right now. And the Bucks aren't paying a quarterback right now. And they're all in bad shape. It's, it's crazy to think like there's no path for any of these teams right now where you feel super confident they're going to be a, a three year team to contend with like none of them. I think if the Falcons get a decent quarterback, that changes. If they do, they got to decide where to pay Kyle Pitts uh, next year. They've got they've got some defensive players that they they spent a lot of money on to revamp that that or that window is closing on money too, and then age as well. 
because they went and got Jesse Bates, Anya Mata, Caden Ellis. Caden Ellis, young guy. Um, but they did a very weird thing, which I don't want to see us do. They went and signed a bunch of free agents last year with Ritter and Heineke as their quarterback. So while I agree with you on their offense, I know you're referring to their offensive skill talent. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. There's no doubt about it. And they're very young. Um, but I don't want us to do what they did. They don't have a quarterback, and they went and spent boatloads of money in defensive free agency. And now they have all that on there, and they still got Ritter and Heineke. So. Yeah, it's ironic because every team but the Bucks went for it as much as possible. I mean, the Panthers, you know, I guess having the first pick, you can only go for it for so long. They much. were rebuilding. Yeah, they're rebuilding. But the Saints and the Falcons absolutely went for it, went all in to win the division this year, signing free agents, all of that stuff. The Buccaneers, who basically punted on this season, are most likely going to win the division. How sad is that? Yeah, but they still had a bunch of talent. If if you'd have thought Baker would have been decent like this, you could see it in this division. If yeah. the, you know, you knew no one was running away with it. You thought we could. We just didn't realize we got to be 100 years old overnight. So yeah, that's yeah. the last thing I'll say about that game. But, uh, you know, not going to be a fun end to the season. The You know, uh, I'd like to see us fight because I really don't think – I'm with Max. I don't think it affects DA's job. I think he's sitting pretty unless we lose by 50 both games. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see us fight and put up a big effort while we're still alive. And then next week, if, we're elimin- if we happen to lose and we're eliminated, which I believe we would be fully eliminated with a loss, um, you know – Scale some people back. Hell, even throw Hayner in there. Why not? Let him Man, play that would Atlanta. be fun. I'd like to see him just to see if there's anything yeah, there. Yeah, just do something fun. Let Shahid and, and, and Bowden run around. Save Alave. Um, you know, sit 8K. And just have some fun. Yeah. So, with that, we'll uh, go ahead and wrap this episode up. We'll be back uh, probably next Monday or Tuesday with a recap of the Buccaneers game. But until then, who that?